Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I am going to do something uh, kind of interesting, or it feels interesting to me today. I've had a, a prophetic word which I've mentioned multiple times over the past couple of years, and I felt like the Lord wants me to release it. In fact, I don't just feel, but I know He wants me to release it on a more uh, understandable level, I'll put it that way. And if you haven't noticed over the last year and a half, especially, God has brought drastic change to this church, this body of believers, and I'm so thankful for it because mighty things are happening. People are being set free. Homes are being picked up and turned around and rearranged. People are being set in their place. The presence of God is more tangible than it's ever been at any point than I could remember in this church. And honestly, I haven't been to many places that are quite like this as a whole. And I'm so thankful for everything that God's doing. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so thankful for him. And when we learn to cooperate with the Lord, we get to experience God's best. He's always a good God. He's, that doesn't change. And he only has best for his kids. And so it's just about cooperating. Just like, you know, we have kids and when they don't cooperate with us, they don't experience our best, amen? I've had times when I've had to uh, dish out a spanking or two over the years. And you know what? That wasn't the best that I had to offer, but maybe at the particular moment, that's what they needed. But I believe that the closer we walk with Jesus, the more intimately we walk with him, the more we walk in the light with him and pushing everything else out, allowing him to possess every single, like I said earlier, nook and cranny of our life, the greater will experience the best that God has for us in every area. Amen. So I had a word the Lord gave me, and it came, and if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 5, and this is a word the Lord gave me in prayer about two, I'm going to say about two years ago concerning the work that the Lord is doing here. And I want to say it like that, it's the work that the Lord is doing, not just this church, but it's bigger it's bigger than just this group of people, but I really believe we're at the very center of God's will and what he's wanting to do in this area. But we are not the only ones that God's doing this particular work that I'm going to talk about today. This is a nation, at least a nationwide thing, if not maybe a worldwide thing, but I know it's a nationwide thing. And I love to be hooked up with what God's doing in terms of of the scope of the whole kingdom of God, the whole body of Christ as a whole. You can set up some chairs. You can invite some people in and pray and worship God and preach the word. And there's blessing in that. And God will touch people. God will change people. But there's a difference between just doing that and then getting to the place where you say, God, what is your heart? What do you really want? What's the mandate that you have for this place, for this region, for these people? So when the Lord begins to release those things, that's when you grab a hold of the heart of God and you run with it with everything in you. I feel so blessed because for the first time, I feel like I have you all uh, not looking at me like I'm a, a whack job and then sometimes getting done ministering going, Lord, am I off my rocker? What's going on here? But yet I've just been following after the heart of God, not perfectly, but that's, I've just wanted what he wants. That's all, that's all I've ever wanted. I just want what he wants. And for having a church, we get sucked into uh, traditional church 
culture very easy, but the Lord's saying that that needs to shift, it needs to change. So I'm going to talk today, and with our church, it really has. And so everything I'm going to, I'm going to mention, we have not perfected, but we're walking in and walking towards, and we're going to continue to believe God for increase concerning these things. But I'm going to talk about the difference between, I'm going to call it uh, an apostolic revival hub culture, which is probably a new phrase to a lot of you, versus traditional church culture. And when I say traditional church, please hear me, understand me. I am not against the church. A little feedback would be really good right about now, okay? <laughs> Knowing what I'm getting ready to say, I want you to understand that, that I am not against the church. I'm thankful for the church. I was brought up in the church, and I believe that there was a, a time and a dispensation where God did things the way that he did them because that's how he set up to do it. But in order to have the best of what God wants, we have to take on the new wineskin that God has for the season that we're in. And in 20 years or 30 years or 50 years or 100 years, God will rearrange things and maybe do it different if the Lord tarries. But he is doing something very specific in the earth. In America, I can say for certain, but I believe the whole earth. And he actually is creating what I call either, it's apostolic in nature because, because the apostolic anointing is, it's, it's not just a governing thing, but it's, it's a penetrating thing. And it's always breaking the barrier of mediocrity in church, in culture, and in lives. And so a revival hub, an apostolic revival hub, is about changing the people on the inside of it so that they can change all of the people on the outside of it. And so what's happening is that there are these, I'm just going to call them revival hubs, there are these revival hubs that are actually springing up all over the United States. And this is one of the words that I had, and I love when you get something from the Lord and you got it before you heard anybody else say it. That feels really special. And when I was in here in prayer one night about two, two years ago, and the Lord brought me to Acts chapter 5 and verse 16. Let's read that. And it says, Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people, and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And I, when I saw that, I saw Jerusalem as like a hub, and everything, all the other cities were coming to it because there was something significant happening there. And the Lord just began to bring this up out of my spirit, and he spoke to me, and he said, Perryville is a hub for my glory. And so two years ago, I wrote, and you all have heard me mention this, but two years ago, I wrote in my, if you could read it, there it is right there. There's where the word was originally written down for me. I wrote Perryville, the hub. And more specific, Overcomers Church International is the very center of Perryville and the work that God is doing. That doesn't mean that I'm against all of the other works that are going on here. I love the church. I love people. I love ministers. I love all Christians of every denomination. So I just want to make that abundantly clear but we have tapped into the very heart of God for what he's doing, not only for our region, but also for, I really believe, for the whole entire world. And so after I shared this word, I started hearing other people uh, talk about this. And just in case anyone's mind is 
wondering, we're not going to change the name from a church to a hub. We want people to understand we're still part of the body of Christ, all right? We're still part of the church. People can relate to that. That's not a problem. But in terms of talking about it, about a hub, it's so that we understand the functionality is going from, it's going from a traditional church model to the way that the Lord has designed and, and wants it to be. And so through the apostles and the prophets, God is reestablishing his church the way that he designed it. And it's just time that we embrace the way that the Lord wants to do things. Last night, uh, there was a word released um, from uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We're talking about us growing into a, a holy temple. And in fact, I'm going to read that very quickly. And in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 2, Actually, we'll start in verse, well, yeah, we'll start in verse 20. It says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And so the, here, if you look here, it's talking about that the Lord uses apostles and prophets in building the church. It's really the foundation of the church and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If you jump down into chapter three, because I've heard some people say, well, prophets were Old Testament and apostles were New Testament, and now the church is established. I can promise you that when you look at the traditional church model today versus the way it operated in the early day, it does not look very much like the early day church did. So how is it going to be reestablished? He's going to use apostles and prophets. And so I've heard people say, well, prophets were old, the old covenant, and the apostles are new covenant. And there could be some truth in that, but it's not just for back then, it's for now. Because in verse 5, it says, which in other ages was not made known. This is chapter 3, verse 5. In other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So apostles and prophets were at work then. The prophets weren't just at work in the Old Testament. They were at work in the New Testament then. And the Lord is reestablishing things on a grander scale. And he's using the, uh, the apostolic and the prophetic working together because there's a breaker anointing on the apostolic and prophetic to go into any region and bust through that system. Oftentimes, the religious system that's been there that the Lord says, I want to rearrange what's going on here. And so he's called people as apostles and prophets. I didn't understand this for a lot of years of me pastoring. And I couldn't understand why I was so forward motivated because pastors tend to, and I have a pastor's heart and I'm pastoring this church. We could say it like that. But pastors tend to gather and just have this, this thing about like just caring for, they just shepherd and watch over the, the hearts and the lives of the sheep. And though I have, although I have that in me, I'm always pressing forward. And I realized I didn't help people come along because I didn't teach them and help them understand the ways of the Lord, mostly because I didn't understand it very well myself. But we are, we are living in a time, and I'm not throwing these words around loosely. This is a message from God. This is a prophetic word from the Lord for this day that we're living in, that he is raising up apostles and prophets to storm the gates of hell and to expand the kingdom of God the way that he wants it to be expanded. So in doing, and if some of you go, I just, I just don't see that. Well, understand this, that the word pastor or pastors was used 
I think nine times in the whole Bible, and, and one time, if I'm not mistaken, in the New Testament, the Greek word was uh, poime, I think, for pastor, and it was used approximately 18 times in the New Testament, where the word apostle or apostles was word used, I believe it was 74 times in the New Testament, and it's the Greek phrase apostolos, and it was translated apostle 74 times. So my point in saying that is, is that we've, we've taken the apostolic and the prophetic, and, and I'll, hopefully I'll mention this here in a couple more minutes, but the people don't even understand apostolic ministry. They don't even understand apostles at all. I mean, the body of Christ, it's like, it's like something that's foreign. Well, I praise God to Overcomers Church International. It's not a foreign concept, and we're digging deeper and understanding more about it all the time. But the prophetic ministry, by and large, has been shunned. It really has been, and it's probably, in fact, not probably, but it's been abused. I've been in circles, and a lot of you have, to where prophets have abused people. They've used words to do things wrong, and praise God, this is a place where we're here to build up people and not to tear people down. But in the early church, the phrase apostle was used. The phrase pastor was also used in their language, but that was used but it wasn't the pastors that were leading and driving the kingdom of God. It was the apostles and prophets that God used. And the reason that's so important is that if it's not about title, but it's about function. Because about probably whatever, eight or nine months ago, when I, when I just revealed and released and uncovered what the Lord had showed me about my calling and about the way this church would function, I mean, you would have thought that I, you know, said the nastiest, dirtiest cuss word from the pulpit. It's not about calling me something in particular. That's not what I'm after, but I'm after understanding the function of what God wants. Because if we don't understand the ways of God, then we're not going to get the results of God. Amen. So the Lord is, and again, if you get through listening to me minister this, and you get to the other side and just say, well, I don't know about this. This is the only time I've ever ministered this the way I'm going to in particular. Just set it on the shelf, and the Lord's going to reveal it to you. And if your heart's not open for the Lord to reveal it to you, keep your eyes open and you're going to see this actually come into fruition and manifestation. The Lord is doing a, a new, it's not really a new work, it's really an old work that he's going to put into our culture for the people that are open to receive it. And so when I read this verse about Perryville being a, being a hub, my heart just went, it just exploded because what was happening was that people were coming from all of the surrounding cities because there was something legit that was happening. And I got that word, and probably for about a year, I was pretty much in torment with a lot of the things that I was dealing with in the church and wasn't seeing that happen. But in the last year, we've all taken note and begun to watch the Lord do this incredible work that he's doing here. And it started with the dreams and then kind of moved into visions. And then we've had the, the, the worship that we have here is just incredible. All of the, the gifts that are functioning the way that they are, it's an awesome, awesome thing. And we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. And one of the things that came out when the dreams started to happen, the Lord revealed to us very quickly, was that this isn't the end game of the supernatural that's taking place. It's only the beginning. As a matter of fact, what the Lord showed me last night, there was another word that came through. We had first Saturday of the night prayer here, uh, first Saturday of the month prayer here last night. And there was a word that came forward about pruning. And when the pruning happens, much, much fruit will be borne out. And when that word was being given, the Lord spoke to me and he said, the, the pruning has been going on, but it started with actually pruning people out that were not a part of what God wanted to do here. 
It's very important. I love people. I want people to come in and be a part. That's, my, that's God's heart. But when there are certain people that kick against what the Lord's doing so lovingly, he'll remove them and just let them go on about their way. But the pruning that's taking place now, this is very important that you understand this. The pruning that's happening now is that God is dealing with the hearts of the people, including me. I'm not excluded from this, but dealing with our hearts and our lives to, to deal with the things that don't need to be there. I need to tell you about this vision that happened, and I'm not going to go any further with this because God's got more for this in the near future. But there is a young prophet about my age. Um, his name is Jeremiah Johnson. I don't really know him that well or know his ministry that well, but I believe him to be a man of God, and he had a... A, 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 not a vision, but an encounter from two angels. And the two angels were, one of them was a glory angel, and then the other one was, a, was holding a broom. And I'm paraphrasing. You can go find it and read it yourself and get the exact wording. But the, the glory angel was the second angel, and the first angel was the one with the broom, and it was a cleansing angel. And they begin to instruct to him that there is a glory coming to the body of Christ like it has never seen before. But before that happens, God's going to do a cleansing in the church. Now, you need, to understand, you need to understand something. This isn't about the Lord embarrassing people. This isn't about the Lord hurting people. This isn't about the Lord pounding on people. This is about God taking people called by his name and going in and separating them and their stuff out from the world. Because he said, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. The world has lived, the church has lived for too long with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And God has tolerated it and he loves people and he cares for people. But he said, enough is enough. And now is the time when the Lord, and we've seen this through the dreams and it's only, it's only going to continue. And for some people, they might think, oh God, I want God to see my stuff. Look, God already sees your stuff. <laughs> but in the most loving and kind and tender and compassionate way that he does it, he comes in and, and has, for us, has been giving dreams and there's been visions and words and things to where he's come in and put his finger on the particular thing that they thought they never could be set free from or didn't even know was there and a dream revealed it, a word revealed it, and next thing you know, they're set free. God's doing a cleansing, not for salvation's sake, but so that we manifest the salvation, the righteousness that we have in us. Because he's coming back for a glorious church. And a glorious church isn't one that has, is, is having relations with the world. Can I just say it like that? Amen? You say, what? I just feel condemned. Well, you shouldn't feel condemned, but you should feel convicted. Praise God. Of Lord, I don't want to stay in this place anymore. I want to move forward and onward and upward with you. Amen? And see, when you know how much God loves you in the midst of all of that, you'll just say, thank you, Jesus. I'll receive every, every ounce of correction you have for me. It's no problem. I want the glory to come, but the Lord says before the glory comes, there's going to be correction that comes. There's going to be some cleansing that takes place. And so I just stand before the Lord even, even daily and say, Lord, whatever's, whatever's in Kent, I want you to weed out because I don't want anything, I don't want anything hindering the work that you want to do. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to take you through some things here, and I'm going to show you the, some differences between revival hub culture and traditional church culture. And the reason this is so important, and I, I kind of said this, but I'm going to say it again. The reason this is so important, and this really is more of a prophecy than a teaching, although I have taught some already, but this is more about 
a word the Lord gave me, and I've and there are many other ministers, apostles, and prophets that are seeing what God's doing and are seeing what he's going to do, and they've released those words. And I just say here before God that I'd never heard one of them say it, and I heard the Lord first, and then I heard the other one say it. In fact, I heard it and didn't realize it, but there were already books that were written about the topic. Praise God. And I love, so I love it. When that, and I'm not saying that to glorify me, but I am saying that to say that it's, it's legit. It's not just me going, eh, let's do that. <laughs> no, it's not about that. It's me on my face before the Lord saying, Lord, what do you, what do you want, God? What do you want with this people? What do you want with this region? What do you want with this territory? I don't want my stuff. I want your stuff. There is too much Ishmael. In fact, most of the, the church system as we see it is Ishmael, not Isaac. Isaac was born of promise. Ishmael was born of the flesh. Oh. Mm. God, we don't want flesh in church. I want God's promise in church. The things that we've been preaching and prophesying and believing and speaking and reaching towards and what his word says, that's what I want. I don't want just another program. I don't want to just occupy and do something without the heart of God being right at the very center of what we're doing. So important. Because see, when we do things out of the flesh, I heard it said like this before, that if you birth it, you have to feed it. Abraham was responsible for Ishmael and in a certain sense, you'll remember the story, don't you? God said that Isaac, the, the promise center, that the, you'll have a child through Sarah, but it required faith. Very important. And so Abraham got out of faith or was never in faith and said, well, this ain't working the way that God said. So let's go over here to Hagar and let's try to get this thing done. And what did they do? They, pro they produced the work of the flesh. And this is the picture that comes from that is that the whole nation of Islam, you can trace, or, or the religion of Islam, you can trace the roots all the way back to Ishmael. I'm not politically correct, but I am biblically correct. And how many of y'all know that the fruit of Ishmael has not been good? They're terrorizing the entire world. All of the peaceful places they want to destroy. That was a work of the flesh. But Isaac and what came from Isaac was the most blessed nation. America really isn't the most blessed nation. Israel's the most blessed nation that's ever. These people, in fact, at one time I was talking to an, an atheist, nice guy, crazy intelligent. I mean, this guy was like a genius on top of genius. And we were talking, and I was trying not to debate because I don't like doing that stuff, but I was just talking about the Lord. I'm thinking, I got an atheist here. I'm going to talk to him about the Lord for sure. And so we were going back and forth, and there wasn't anything that was cutting through all of his intellect. And I said, tell me this. I said, how is it that you have this little bitty group of people for thousands of years that everybody around them has tried to destroy, but yet they've not been able to destroy this nation? And he said, now, that's amazing to me. <laughs> and when you think about it, man, they are a blessed people, and God has supernaturally preserved them. Hallelujah. I don't know how I got off on all that, but that's really good stuff nonetheless. So this is a new wineskin, and I'm going to get to the meat here in one more moment. This is a new wineskin. You have to understand this. If we don't have the new wineskin, the, the ability to hold what God's pouring out, then we're not going to be able to contain what it is that God's pouring out. And what he's saying is that the traditional church model is not going to handle the new wine that he's about ready to pour out. 
So we, ha- we have to, as the church, church leaders like myself, we have to embrace this and help people embrace the move that God is doing and is going to continue to do. And we'll just do it step by step as the Lord pours out. We'll open up and we'll share and release and teach. But this is a, a new wineskin, a new way of thinking, and, and really it's the ability to hold what God's pouring out. I'm gonna give you a whole bunch of things here that the Lord has shown me, and I've taken from different resources, but also from things that the Lord has shown me about the difference between a traditional church model, traditional church culture, and a revival hub culture. And just the, the phrase revival hub, the whole idea is it's at the center of what's going on, but it's, it's not dead. It's in revival, amen? A church is supposed to live Technically, it's supposed to live in perpetual revival. The people are supposed to live revived, and the church services are supposed to be revived. When the saints come together, there's supposed to be life there. Praise God. Amen. And amen would really help me out right there with that point. It would show some life. So here are some things that I'm going to uh, share here. I don't know what you just said, but praise the Lord. Oh, you're writing. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. We'll write fast because I might speak fast. All right. Traditional church and traditional churches are focused on hosting people. Revival hubs are focused on hosting his presence. Huge difference. In fact, I, I different times had pressure. Yeah, I had pressure from people that the Lord eventually removed. to get me to conform to certain ways of doing church because it would invite more people in. And to be honest with you, it probably would have invited more people in. But I'm not after just having people come in at the expense of substance being there. I want to host his presence. Traditional churches camp around a message. Revival hubs camp around the presence. crazy important. How many times have you been or been to church or heard someone talk about their church? And again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not running it down. You please understand my heart. I'm trying to talk about a shift between the way things have been and the direction that God is going. And if you don't believe me, that's okay. It's no problem. Just love me, put it on the shelf, and God will reveal it to you in due time. But the church is camped around message, songs, in, out, in, out. Were people blessed in that? Yeah. Were good relationships built in that? Yeah. But there's something more that God wants. There was a reason why when he told Moses to set up the tabernacle, and then if you go and look, he gave very specific instructions how the 12 tribes were to be set up around the tabernacle, which had the outer courts, the inner courts, and at the very center of that was the most holy place. They camped around the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus, that the church is coming back to that. Traditional churches make church attendance and numerical growth the focus. Nothing wrong with numerical growth. Amen. But revival hubs make personal growth and transformation the focus. The goal isn't just to fill the seats. The goal is to fill people's hearts with the presence and the power of God to where transformation happens in their life. Traditional churches serve the religion mountain only. Revival hubs serve all seven mountains. So if you're not following me on that, we've been talking about this. I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but there is this understanding about the seven mount- mountains of culture, 
which is religion, family, business, arts and entertainment, media, government, and education. It's the first time I named all seven real quick like that. (laughs) There are basically seven areas that make up any culture, any nation in the whole world. The church, the traditional church for years has been focused on having revival on whatever they think revival is in the church, and then people just go on about their life. Well, think of a hub like this. If you look at a wagon wheel, you would call the center of that thing the hub, right? And that really is the picture. But on that hub, and what I'm talking about, in that hub is connected all of the different spokes, seven spokes from the hub to the outer rim, which is the rest of the world. And it's actually, there's a verse in in Isaiah chapter 2, and we use the analogy of mountains, and it talks about how the, the, the mountains of the earth will flood to and come to the mountain of the Lord. But they don't just come because we're having a Holy Ghost service. The world doesn't care about a Holy Ghost service. I mean, some might if they're hungry, but by and large, they just think that we're just a bunch of nutty people and they're doing nutty stuff. But whenever we take what's happening inside the hub and we begin to go out into those areas as God has actually called us and ordained many of us to go out in, we actually begin to attract the world instead of repelling them. Interesting also that there, in the last like, you know, 10 years, and we're starting to see this because we have a hub or a roundabout to actually in Perryville. And the whatever, whoever, I don't know, the the people that the Department of Transportation or whatever, one of them people have done studies on how to make intersections more attractive and flow better. And they've come to find out that roundabouts or hubs are a better way to transition traffic in a lot of cases. And so the picture that's painted there, and I believe that even that was a prophetic act unbeknownst to the government or whatever entity has done that study, but that was a prophetic act of what the Lord is doing. Because when you go in a hub, a roundabout one way, you come out a different way. Could it be that the Lord has his glory, has revival, has anointing, has seven mountains mandate on our mind? And instead of bringing people in and gripping them so tightly to try to hold them in and they just spin round and round and round and round and round and get dizzy and get sick. (laughs) Then we pull them in and when the time's right, we release them in the direction that they're supposed to go. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let me continue on here. I have a lot of other awesome stuff to share here. Traditional churches contend for right doctrine, which is why we have... I looked at this up one time. I think it's near 500 different denominations in the world. (laughs) They contend for right doctrine. Revival hubs contend for the truth, his presence, and his glory. Traditional churches in game is creating an environment for a great church experience, and there's nothing wrong with that. We do that here. That's why we have comfortable chairs. We have door greeters, all of that. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but that is not our end game. A revival hub's end game is complete reformation for their entire region. We don't just want revival, we want reformation. We don't just want to come here and sing hallelujah, jump up and down and say thank you Jesus, hear a great message, 
sing some great songs and go home. We want transformation, not just transformation, but reformed, things to be reformed to where the kingdom of God permeates every area of culture. Traditional church, churches avoid the devil in what is deemed as evil or unclean. Revival hubs attack the devil and go into unclean places to make them clean. That, this doesn't mean you should all by yourself go into the red light district and try to win over whatever. There's wisdom in it, praise God, but we're certainly not scared of the way that the enemy works and how he does things. Traditional churches desire to feed the sheep and to keep them close. Revival hubs desire to feed, equip, and release the sheep into their call. I had one of my prophets walk into my office one day, the particular one being Ron, and he said, I have a word for you. I said, okay. He said, train and equip, don't grip. Pastors are, have, are notorious for pulling people in. And there's a time for gripping. There's a time for pulling people close. When they're wandering, the whole picture of a, of a shepherd with the, the staff is that the crook end or the crooked end or the one with the hook is sometimes you gotta grab the sheep and you gotta pull them in. But once you get them to where they need to be, then you have to release them. Otherwise, you just choke the life out of them. So it's very important as we train people up that we don't grip them, but we equip them and send them. And sometimes it's a geographical move. Sometimes it will be planting other people over churches. Sometimes it will be uh, sending missionaries away. Sometimes people will be called into the, the business mountain and the opportunity opens up way out west that we have to say, you know what, we're gonna bless you. And you know what, he, this is what's going to happen. That I'm so thankful for the way that God has blessed this church financially. We've just never struggled. I mean, just honestly, we've never struggled. We've not had all of the abundance that I, I wanna see us have, but we've really never struggled. And I thank God for that. But what's going to happen is that when we begin to release people and the more we do that into what they're called into, the area they're called into, finances are going to flood back from those people in the mountain that they're in back into the work of God here. And there's going to come a point to where when we go, let's build a building. Okay, great. Let's call the contractor that we've got on hold. This much money? Sure. Not that we'll be frivolous with it, but you know what I'm saying. It just won't be a problem. I believe that is actually how the wealth of the, at least part of how the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous and the great transfer of wealth that will happen is in this hub when we release people. See, people aren't called, and not every person is called into the mountain of God to where that is their ultimate calling. In fact, just very few really are to train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Most people, most people sitting in here, your occupation is to go out into the world, into one of those areas of, of culture and change that particular area. But where the training has to take place is inside the hub. And with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers in that hub, training when the time is right, you get released into the thing that, that, or it just happens kind of at the same time to where you get released and you start to see the fruit, not only like financially, but also spiritually to where you change the lives of the people around you. And they, they're attracted to something that's real that's happening in you. Amen. Traditional churches gather, grow, maintain, meet needs and comfort. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Revival hubs train, impart, impact, release, and send. 
a big difference. They're both needed, but there has to be not just making pe people feel comfortable, but releasing them into what God's called them into. Traditional churches value a comfortable environment. Revival hubs pioneer into new realms in the spirit. Traditional churches cling to familiarity as a form of spirituality. Not too many amens on that, but it's the truth. People have gone into familiar places for a long time, feeling spiritual, but yet never really experiencing and getting a hold of the heart of God. So they cling to, traditional churches cling to familiarity as a form of spirituality. Revival hubs cling to the heart of the Father, even when it requires unfamiliar territory. Traditional churches embrace the pastor, sometimes the teacher, and sometimes the evangelist. Revival hubs embrace all five ministry offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Traditional churches preach and teach the Bible aiming for biblical accuracy. By the way, I can make copies of all of this so you don't have to write it down. So just put your pencils down and just, just, just amen me for now. That'd be better. That's the biggest amen I got yet. <laughs> Traditional churches preach and teach the Bible, aiming for biblical accuracy. Signs, wonders, miracles, and the anointing are optional. Revival hubs preach and teach with biblical accuracy under the anointing with signs, wonders, and miracles following. And if I have to say one thing that I've, that I've had particular people in times past, you know, when I started operating in my authority, people stopped contending with me because they realized he's not going to change. I stopped giving apologetic messages like, well, I hope you like this and I hope I don't step any toes. Now it's like, yeah, I'm probably going to step on your toes, so just get over it. But I've had people come against me with that more than anything because people like Pastor Bobby freak them out. I don't care. I just don't, I just don't care. And I know he's a, he's a uh, not everyone's particular flavor. That's not a problem. I, I told him, I said, you know, some of the way you minister, it really kind of freaks me out. I mean, I told him that. I said, I'm so different than you are. But I said, I honor the gift that is in you and I honor the character of the man. I don't, listen, it's fine for things to be different. We need, we need all of the gifts, all the anointings that God has given to the body of Christ. We need all of that. Hallelujah. Traditional churches create programs to address the needs of the people. Nothing wrong with that. But unfortunately, it stops there often. Revival hubs embrace, promote, and foster Holy Spirit power-based ministry. So every time people, I have people come to me, I'll say at least once, at least once a month, and they'll say, Pastor, we need to do this. I'll say, okay, I see the need that's there, but I've learned to not be moved by need, but be moved by the Spirit of God. What's he saying to do? Because Jesus said that, that the harvest field is white for harvest, but the laborers are few. It's always going to be that there's more that we can do than what we have resources for, spiritually speaking. There's always more to do than what we have resources for. So it's right, and I'm a good steward over you 
that if you come to me with a suggestion, I go, okay, thank you for bringing that out. And sometimes it's like, geez, I never really saw that. Lord, how do we fix that? Because it's a the dire need that we have to take hold of. But just to go and start a new ministry, I mean, I did that before when I was, you know, really young and, and ignorant how to do things. People would say, I want to do this. And I would say, awesome, let's do it. Now I go, okay, let's pray about it for three months. <laughs> Because if someone's not willing to pray about what they're so passionate about for a few months, they're not going to have what it takes to stick with it for one month when all hell is broke loose against them in that particular area. Come on now. So I've learned to have the Holy Spirit lead and say what it was that he wants and not just do things based off of need. Traditional churches will pray for people but are careful not to believe too big due to fear of failure. Ooh, I've been there. Revival Hub members heal the sick, cast out devils, and promote supernatural healing in their region. Traditional churches usually have some type of prayer service, but do not view prayer as a mandate from heaven. Revival Hubs build on a foundation of prayer, bring the prayer room into the main room, take the house of prayer mission seriously, and will sacrifice plans programs and resources for prayer. Amen. And I have to say that that's one that we have really just pioneered and embarked upon, but we're going to do it and we're going to continue to do it. A praying people is a revived people. You can, you cannot find a real true Holy Ghost move of God in church history that at the root of it, prayer was not involved at the root of it. You won't find it. I've, st I've looked as far as everything that I've seen, and I've not seen anything that was genuine. Now, there might have been a service. There might have been an encounter that there wasn't a bunch of prayer go forth, but anything that has longevity and has real substance to it, prayer was always at the basis. So we are a praying people, and we'll continue to be that. Traditional churches sing familiar songs. Revival hubs release new sounds. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't mean there's not a place to sing songs that we know and are fun and are good. That's not, that's not the point. But the point is, is that we're so tuned in with the Holy Spirit and how he's moving that when he wants something sung or released musically, prophetically, anything, that we're in step and in tune with him, and that's the thing that gets released. Do you realize how, how strange everything, um, not strange, but how, yeah, we'll say strange, compared to what you would hear in an area like this. I mean, just think for a second. Most of y'all have been here longer than I've been here. And you don't hear this kind of stuff. But the Lord just really likes to come into a place and show off. I'm serious. There is going to come, in fact, Liz had a, well, this was part of it, but the Lord, the Lord, he gave her a word and the Lord wants to actually elevate what he's doing here, like a city set on a hill to where people see it and they look at the favor of God and say, I, I want what's going on there. God wants, he wants to do that. But he's not going to do that if man's stuff is in the way. He's not going to do that if we're just doing things like everybody else does them. There are certain things that happen that we do here that look like the rest of the church. We start at 10. We're done by usually noon at the latest. There's, not a, there's no problem with that. But what's happening within the time that we're together is the most important thing. But we also have to be willing that when the Lord says, I want you to do this, that we're just willing to do it. I want you to break this, this barrier here and not do it this way, then we're just willing to do it because we're in step with the Holy Ghost. 
We're not in step with just traditional church stuff. Traditional churches gather the best possible local musicians to sing everyone's favorite songs. Revival hubs build prayer-based worship that pioneers prophetic worship and values spontaneity. You know, there are services where we come in where it's not as spontaneous. Today, in particular, wasn't like, remember last Sunday night if you were here? Oh, that was awesome. And we'll have more of that to come. It's also important to, note, to notice something, to take note of something, that there are times when we'll come in and it will look like this, where the Lord will say, I want to just tell you this, and he'll lay out, do, 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 because it's what the saints need. And there are other times when he'll say, just be quiet and watch. And he does something powerful in a service. But all, whatever it is, we just have to trust. You have to trust your leadership, and you have to trust that what's being laid out is really the heart of God that's being laid out. Because you can't have... You can't have people move with you just in power unless they also have understanding. Because Paul said, I didn't come in word only, but also in the power of the Spirit. But he also didn't just come in the power of the Spirit. He came in word also. There's a time and a place for having the services that just you blow the roof off the place and everyone comes out and going, wow, that's awesome. We need that. Well, I love that time. It's just like the, the emotional high and everything. But then there's also times where you come in and the Lord says, a through Z, and it builds a foundation for things that he's wanting to do. Because if people don't have understanding, they're not going to walk with you in what you're doing. And so my goal is that we walk, but we also have understanding in what we're doing. And the last thing here is that traditional church, traditional churches may experience intimacy and worship, but it's not the goal. Revival hubs diligently stay in the throne room. And the Lord gave me a word about a year ago, and he said that this church We'll, we'll not have song service anymore because we've had song service. And there, could, there can be a time and place where you sing songs and it's appropriate, but that's not what you call worship. But the Lord told me, he said, this church will not have song service anymore. It will have throne room worship where we come to the altar, seek the face of God to receive his best, to get the goods from him, to get the understanding, to hear from the spirit of God and to release the thing that God wants to be released. It says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has, well, let's read it so I don't mess it up. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter two, I believe. I hear the Holy Spirit on the front row reminding me where that is. It could be 1 Corinthians. Holy Spirit just told me wrong. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians. It wasn't the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in verse 9, it says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So in other words, we don't really know what God has. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How is it that I could be in prayer and hear the Lord say, Perryville is a hub, not knowing that other people have been prophesying the same thing? been saying the same thing and there have been books written about it and I had never partaken of any of that stuff. How is it? Because 
I'm tapped into the heart of God. Not perfectly. I don't hear perfectly. I don't understand perfectly. I don't do everything perfectly. But I can tell you my heart is perfectly turned towards him to know and understand everything that he would do or say. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.